I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Thursday, so this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy our show. This story was first published on September 23rd of 2012 under the headline, Buck Rogers-style police boat didn't work out for Portland. Here we go. On the morning of April 23rd, 1936, the city of Portland was proudly preparing to launch its new harbor patrol boat, the Jack Lewin. It was going to be a big deal. Mayor LaGuardia of New York City was in town, and he'd been invited to come to the event, and the boat itself was truly revolutionary. The Jack Lewin was the brainchild of one Victor Vigand Strode, an inventor with a remarkable flair. Looking back on the historical record, the picture one gets is reminiscent of the early life of Howard Hughes. Born in the mid-1890s, he had graduated from Harvard by the time World War I broke out, and when it did, he joined up and got trained in radio and signaling work. After the war, he got a position heading up the Aeronautical School at Portland's Hill Military Academy. Imagine that, a high school with an aeronautical elective. Later on, he organized the Portland Airplane Corps. By 1936, Strode was already well-known as a prolific inventor. By the time of his death at age 50 in 1944, he'd invented a primer valve, a vacuum preventer, a sleek trimotor aircraft design, and a boat. This boat, it was quite possibly the highlight of Strode's inventing career, although other projects surely made him more money. To create it, he had teamed up with an aeronautical engineer named Fred Jones, another Portlander who'd helped design de Havilland airplanes during World War I, and his boat was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. The basic idea was to take an eight-foot-wide section of airfoil, drop a propeller through the bilge on a 90-degree gear like a modern outboard motor, and put enough power through that propeller to allow the airfoil to pick the boat up off the surface of the water. That's right, it would literally fly above the water's surface, with the only part of the boat touching the water being the propeller and shaft. For stability, the boat would be made of four different thicknesses of wing sections, with the fattest in the center forming the fuselage and the other three stepping outward so that drag would be balanced. Strode had patented the design in 1933. At the time, he'd envisioned it having a variety of uses, especially low-drag pontoons for seaplanes, but almost immediately he set about trying to make a boat of it. He dubbed it the Aero Hydrocraft. Down in Coos Bay, Strode commissioned the construction of a prototype, a single-seater with an open cockpit. The power plant was a stock Ford V8 flathead auto engine, putting down 55 horsepower. According to an article in Popular Science, the single-seater reached speeds of 70 miles an hour. Quote, It behaves like an ordinary craft until it attains a speed of 45 miles per hour, the article notes. At this velocity, which corresponds to the taking-off speed of an aeroplane, an abrupt change occurs. The pilot can feel the boat rise from the water as the fins take hold on the air. Only the propeller beneath the hull remains in the water where its full thrust is effective. 
Fresh from this success, the following year, Strode applied for and got funding from the federal government's Depression-era State Emergency Relief Agency Jobs Program to build a bigger version of his prototype, a high-speed ambulance boat for the Portland Harbor. A year and a half later, the boat was there, finished, ready to launch this ambulance. It was considerably bigger than the open cockpit prototype, 24 feet long from tip to tail. In the fuselage, there was a tight cockpit with seating for two people. Behind them, there was an ambulance bay with accommodations for two patients on stretchers. And on that spring day at the foot of Stark Street, where a few dozen years earlier the ferry used to land, a group of city notables was there to launch what they surely believed was the future of high-speed motorboating. Inventor Strode was there with his wife, Ruth, who was going to do the honors of christening the sleek-looking plywood beauty. The morning Oregonian had given the project plenty of publicity, including a couple pictures. Factories along the waterfront were ready to welcome the new boat with whistle blasts. Into the water went the big aero hydrocraft. So, was it a success? The answer seems to be a pretty firm no. However, its failure must have involved some embarrassing details because there is simply nothing more about it in the Oregonian until six months later, in January 1937, when a Year in Review article mentions that it was, quote, noisily christened and then quietly retired from public view. Just seven days later, a three-inch-long article buried deep on page 11 announced that the city council had voted to officially release any interest in it. Quote, For some time the boat has been out of service, the article read, but it was said that the boat might be salvaged if title were transferred to Mr. Strode. So what happened? There may be some details to be gleaned from the biography of Victor Strode, which his wife, Ruth, who later became a writer for the Oregonian, by the way, penned after his death. The only copy of that biography is in the archives of the Oregon Historical Society. Also, there may be Portlanders who remember what happened to the boat. After all, this was only 75 years ago. But some educated guesses can be made based on the laws of physics as to why the aerohydrocraft didn't work out for Portland. At speed, the boat would essentially be hovering over the surface of the water, with a propeller shaft dropping down into the drink. Throw the rudder over to make a hard left turn, and what's to prevent the centrifugal force of the turn from tipping the boat over until the outboard wingtip touches the water, doing 55 miles an hour? What would happen then? A jolt? A terrifying cartwheel crash? It's hard to say. And then there's the propeller shaft. With such a heavy boat, the forces this shaft would be subjected to would be tremendous and in many different directions. In any case, the aerohydrocraft disappeared from the world of boat types almost as quickly as it vanished from the Portland waterfront. Today, few powerboat aficionados have even heard of them, or of the time Portland took a chance on the cutting edge of naval architecture. By the way, there's a company called Fiddler's Green that sells plans for a paper or cardboard model of the aerohydrocraft online. An internet search for Fiddler's Green Seagull Boat will take you right to it. Key sources in this story have included the archives of Popular Science Magazine and the Portland Morning Oregonian, 1934-1944, and Dead Memories Portland page on Facebook. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. What you've been listening to is one of more than 550 stories originally created and published as newspaper columns in first-run syndication between 2008 and today. You can read them all at offbeatoregon.com. 
Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulplet Productions, pulp-lit.com, a boutique publishing house owned and operated by yours truly, specializing in audiobook and multimedia editions of the work of the classic pre-war pulp writers. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license type CC by SA 4.0, which basically means you can do anything with the content you like, so long as you A, give me credit for it, and B, whatever you make is also released under a Creative Commons license. But if you need a waiver to either A or B, hit me up, fj at offbeatoregon.com. I've never said no yet to a request for a waiver of one of those conditions. They're generally there just to prevent me from accidentally authorizing the reuse of something I don't actually control the rights to. A good example might be a photograph used by special permission of the rights holder. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatorgan.com. Episodes of Offbeat Oregon History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every single weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.